Welcome to Attitude, Knowledge, and Skill, the podcast outreach of AKS Firearms Instruction, addressing the essential needs of the whole shooter. Your host, Tom Bushy, addresses tips, tactics, and tantamount Second Amendment issues of the week. Class is now in session. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning back into the podcast, this little baby podcast, which is, as of this moment right now, just four episodes old. For those of you that have been tuning in, I really appreciate it. Please tell a friend. Uh, hopefully, you're finding something special and unique about this podcast, because uh, Lord knows there's an awful lot of podcasts out there about the Second Amendment and firearms, but I like to think that I'm special. For instance, how many podcasters and uh, Facebook firearms sites do you know of that will make posts about the Muppets and draw meaningful lessons from that? If you have been watching my uh, my Facebook page, that would be AKS Firearms Instruction on Facebook, you would have seen a little video clip from the Treasure Island Muppet movie. Now, Sesame Street has been teaching us lessons for many years, even as far back as when I was of the appropriate age to be watching Sesame Street. And uh, they teach us all kinds of lessons, but who would have thought that you would get a gun lesson from the Muppets? Could you imagine Sesame Street? Sesame Street has been brought to you today by the number four, the letter A, and Smith and Wesson. Well, not so much on Sesame Street, but here's the clip that I um, that I put up on Facebook this week. It is Muppet Treasure Island, and it actually has a scene where a gun is discharged. Long John Silver confronts Kermit and Miss Piggy with a pistol. And the native island pigs come to save the day, and they throw an arrow, excuse me, they throw a spear to stop Long John Silver's aggression. The pig chief, now listen to me, his name is Spam. It truly is. Now, it's spelled like ma'am, S-P-A apostrophe A-M, but the chief pig's name is Spam. Anyway, he very boldly challenges Long John Silver, who responds to Chief Spam by firing a shot from his pistol. And, of course, Chief Spam has that famous line, says, oh, we see you have boom boom stick. Bye-bye. And then they run off. Well, here's some lessons. Lesson one, don't bring a spear to a gunfight. Lesson two, being the good guy does not automatically give you a tactical advantage. Lesson three, which isn't actually taught here, but if you listen to AKS Firearms Instruction, we can uh, derive from this that knowledge of firearms can be beneficial even to the unarmed. Now, Long John Silver had a muzzle-loaded pistol. Now, they are good for one shot, and then you have to pour powder back down, wadding, cram the ball down, put a little primer in the primer pan, cock, and then shoot. Now, there are some people who can do that very fast, but it's not like a semi-automatic pistol. So, if Chief Spam just knew that when that shot went off and nobody went down, he could have ordered charge, and they could have overtaken Long John Silver before he even had a chance to get his powder horn out. Now, for those of us who are not on Treasure Island, what good is this? Well, if you know how to tap and rack, tapping and racking overcomes 
many, many uh, firearm malfunctions uh, in the heat of a moment. And the reason why this is relevant is it is not uncommon in accounts of active shooters that while they're shooting, their gun jams. Usually they come armed with several guns and they drop the one that's jammed and they pick up the other one and resume their evil deeds. A, a firearms savvy uh, bystander or potential victim could, if possible, get to that firearm tap and rack and likely clear the malfunction and then be able to use that weapon against the active shooter. Tap and rack cures many malfunction ills. Now, if you have a double feed, it's a little more complicated. You got to drop the magazine, rack the slide several times, reload, and then rack again, and then you're at it. But if you've received training, you would know how to do that. And I would just mention that the new concealed carry or carrying concealed weapon level one class here at AKS is in full swing. And if you'd like to send me a message for more information, I'd be happy for us to schedule a private or semi-private instruction of that class. Now, don't mess with Texas. Now, for the record, I know full well that the the uh, slogan, don't mess with Texas, is actually referring to Please don't litter in our state. But it has taken on greater meaning simply that, hey, Texas knows how to fight. The Texas people know how to fight, and they're not afraid to fight. So here is uh, from the BearingArms.com website a quick little news story uh, by Tom Knighton. The headline is, Texas man kills robber with bad guy's own gun. Excuse me. So the suspect enters the homeowner's garage, it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and announced his intent that he was going to rob the man. Well, the man had different ideas, and armed with nothing but a combat mindset, the homeowner took the gun from the suspect and shot the suspect with his own gun. Now, the, um, the author of this article, Tom Knighton, He had a quote that I just had to write down. He says, Just remember that the first rule of a gunfight is to bring a gun. The second rule is to try to bring all of your buddies with all of their guns as well. Rule two might not be viable in every instance, but you can bring your gun to the fight in a case like this. So I highly recommend you do so. The result will hopefully be the same after all, but having your own firearm in uh will present you with much less risk. Okay, I just like that quote, so I wanted to share it verbatim, except at the very end where I stammered a little bit. He did not actually stammer when he wrote that. Now, speaking of the good guys winning, there is uh, an article on Concealed Nation where in Arizona, a state trooper saw a car that had overturned just off of the highway, and he was en route uh, on foot, to see if he can assist the motorist in the car. It was a woman. And unprovoked, unrelated to the accident, the trooper was ambushed and shot in the chest. Just like that. He was not in the, in the frame of mind that he was engaging in some kind of conflict. He was going to help a potentially injured motorist in an overturned car. Well, uh, I assume it doesn't directly say that he had uh, body armor on, but it does say that he engaged in a physical fight with the shooter. So 
I'm guessing he had body armor on, otherwise he's not going to have a whole lot of fight left in him. There was an armed citizen on the scene who came to the rescue and shot the attacker. The officer was very grateful and later credited that citizen for saving his life. The citizen then used the, the trooper's radio to get assistance at the scene. And thank God the trooper lived another day and lived to serve the, uh, the public another day. Good job, good guys with guns. Now, these situations are stressful, whether you're meeting up with Long John Silver or uh, a bad guy coming into your garage with a gun, or you see an attempted cop killer on the highway trying to do away with a cop. Having the combat mindset, which we talked a little bit about last week with that 82-year-old bodybuilder who had it. The combat mindset is when you act decisively with no regard for the well-being of your opponent. You intend to stop the opponent by inflicting so much pain and so much injury that the uh, your opponent, your assailant, is either inca- incapacitated or loses their will to do continued harm to you and then retreats if he's able. Well, the in the NRA basic pistol course, we teach five fundamentals of shooting. I mentioned the uh, CCW class that we do here at AKS Firearms Instruction. Uh, I am also an NRA certified instructor, and I do administer the NRA basic pistol course. We go over five fundamentals fundamentals of shooting. Uh, we cover them and we drill them. But the NRA, after they talk about the five fundamentals of shooting, they really emphasize two of them. Aiming, which is comprised of sight alignment and sight picture, and trigger control. They say those are the most important. I always feel funny saying that when I'm when I'm giving this class, uh, when I give the official NRA class, I pretty much have to deliver it as written by the NRA, and it's very good material. But there's just some little things in there that uh, makes me uh, makes me curious. If you're going to list a uh, list of skills and call them the five fundamentals. The fundamentals, of course, are central or primary rules or principles upon which something is based. Then why would you elevate two over the remaining three? Always thought that curious. One of the remaining three fundamentals, it's not mentioned, I didn't just mention now, is breath control. And it is worth a special mention. Breath control refers to your ability to control your breath. Uh, If you have... um, if you can't control your breathing and you're breathing very heavy, it's going to affect your hold control, which is another one of the fundamentals. If you have your um, your pistol presented in the uh, isosceles stance, if your chest is heaving up and down, there's no way that cannot affect. There's no way that it can not affect how you're holding your pistol and being able to hold it on target. So on the on the flip side. If you hold your breath while you're aiming, especially if you're taking your time in aiming, it deprives your muscles of oxygen and slowly you can start to produce a slight tremor, which of course is also going to affect your hold. Okay, so that's good to know. You're at the range and you know, okay, I got to breathe. I got to inhale and exhale slowly while I'm pressing the trigger and then discharging that firearm right on the bullseye because I've been coached at AKS Firearms Instruction. With the defensive gun use, okay, so you're you're in a, a hot 
circumstance. Things are things are live and things are happening. Things are active. And the defensive use of gun can, of gun <laughs> gun control is hold control, trigger control, breath control. This breath control takes on increased importance. Controlling your breath in highly stressful situations increases your ability to think clearly and help you not to tremble whether from fear or oxygen deprivation it's when things are really stressful that you have to concentrate breathe in slow breathe out slow and of course hyperventilating breathing in and out too fast can cause you to pass out and then what good are you so there's so much to keep track of in a crisis situation like facing an active shooter an attacker breath control will help you assess and act appropriately if we look back at that uh, video of the church shooting in the white in white settlement texas west freeway uh, church of christ jack oh jack wilson was that his name i forgive me for forgetting the hero's name he drew his firearm quickly but took the time to shoot and i guarantee you one of the things he did was he engaged calm breathing so he could make that headshot one shot from that guy what was he 40 feet away and on the move great shooting by jack all right still talking about defensive firearms uh it when the west freeway church of christ shooting was going on there was also a string of attacks in new york against the jews in that area uh, one in particular there was an attack in a rabbi's house during Hanukkah observations. The attack was one of a long string of attacks, as I mentioned, and uh, they were using guns and machetes, even a truck at one point. Well, the one that happened close to when the West Freeway Church of Christ shooting happened, the uh, weapon of choice was a machete. Since this period of time, gun permit applications in the Jewish community in New York have surged almost to a thousand percent now for those of you who are math challenged that means there's about 10 times the rate of application for gun permits in the new york city area amongst the jewish community than has been normal now are these applications uh, for gun permits being filed by anti-semitic bad guys so that they can equip themselves to do more dastardly deeds or more likely could these permits, these permit applications, be uh, filed by Jewish men and women who are not interested in being sitting ducks for the next maniacal attack? My money is on option B. Another question worth asking, knowing that New York City is very stingy. New York State, not a gun-friendly state. New York City, even worse within the state. Are these Jewish people getting their permits granted? in the the stingy city of new york i would hope that they are getting them granted at uh, just as fast a rate as they have been applying because those people are living under threat it's quite obvious so last observation there is that uh, these attacks employ tools like guns machetes and trucks what's the common link evil not guns not knives not just trucks the common link is evil and the people in whom it resides 
So as we continue our battle against gun control, people focus on the gun, focusing on the gun over and over, the gun, the gun, the gun. Something bad happens, we got to stop the gun. We got to get the gun. We have to reduce the number of guns. Our battle is with evil in the hearts of men, not with guns. Restricting guns just puts law-abiding citizens at risk by reducing their ability to defend themselves. All right, reducing your ability to defend yourselves. Well, as we uh, start to trot around the map here, we started in New York City just now, and now we can move to Maryland and Pennsylvania. Uh, AWR Hawkins at Breitbart.com uh, is uh, their firearms guy. He's awesome, very, very intelligent. He has a doctorate, I believe, in military history and a very sharp fellow. He posted two separate articles last week about Baltimore and Philadelphia. What do these articles uh, talk about? Well, things that Baltimore and Philadelphia have in common. One of the things they have in common, generations of Democrat control for one. Both have a plethora of constitutionally defiant gun laws. Both cities have insanely high homicide rates. Last weekend, one week ago, uh, each of these cities, Baltimore and Philadelphia, lost five people due to violent crime. Both cities continue to pass laws against law-abiding citizens' right to self-defense. In fact, even Baltimore is making it harder for police to promote law and order in dangerous areas. More about that in a second. Most of the gun deaths that we hear about in the news are ones from mass shootings, particularly in white neighborhoods across the country. Think about Columbine. Think about the, the Garlic Festival in California. Uh, most of these mass shootings that are taking place, which aren't as common as the media would lead you to believe. That's a story for another week that we can look at in detail. But it's these tragedies, and they are horrible, of mass shootings, but they're in white communities. Second Amendment advocates and true violence haters have screamed about the rate of shootings and murders in the gun band bastion in the city of Chicago. They're, they're killing themselves at an unbelievable rate. But even worse is Baltimore. According to the Baltimore Sun, one year ago, I was getting back to this, one year ago, the Baltimore City School Board voted against the school police force uh, being able to carry their firearms inside the schools. Now, the school police force is not a bunch of parent volunteers. The Baltimore City School police force is part of the Baltimore Police Department. And the school board in Baltimore City said, uh, you can't bring your guns, policemen, into our school buildings. Now, these are the same people that will tell citizens who want to carry uh, firearms for their own protection that they shouldn't do that, that they should just keep their cell phones with them and then call the police. Now, the police can respond very quickly, but as we always say, when second counts, the police are there in minutes. So here, they're saying, no, we don't, we don't even want the police to carry their guns inside our school buildings. 
unbelievable. How else does Maryland protect its citizens? They protect their citizens with assault weapons bans, high-capacity magazine bans, registration and fingerprinting requirements for handgun purchasers, and a red flag law. Well, Baltimore, how's that been working for you? According to Breitbart News in the year 2017, not all that long ago, Baltimore's homicide rate was over twice that of Chicago. And Chicago's rate is not good. Baltimore reported more murders than the number reported in Philadelphia, even though Philadelphia has a population two and a half times the population of Baltimore. Philadelphia has a population of about two and a half times the population of Baltimore, yet Baltimore reported more murders than those that happened in Philadelphia. And as if that wasn't uh, impressive enough in the negative side of impression, Baltimore homicides numbered more than the ones in New York City. New York City is almost 14 times larger in population. So, Baltimore, Maryland, get a clue. You're not protecting your citizens. You're the most dangerous place to live in the United States. It's a credit to Albert Einstein, although we don't know if he's actually said it or not. It's just one of those things that gets said over and over again. But the cliche stands. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It reminds me of the days uh, that I spent as a carpenter. We used to joke around and uh, we had a board that was too short. We'd say, oh, I cut it three times and it's still too short. The point there is your chosen course of action from the very idea is not going to make the situation better. You're going to make the situation worse. Your board is too short. Cutting it again is just going to make it shorter. You have criminals killing people at record rates in your city. Making your citizens, your law-abiding citizens, defenseless is just going to make it worse. All right, as I turn the page and take a breath. Now, I got uh, in my inbox, my email inbox, uh, a little uh, newsletter from U.S. and Texas Law Shield. And uh, they published a story inspired by the uh, story from the South Florida Sun Sentinel that a Florida man, we all know that this is not going to turn out good. Any, any story that starts out with Florida man, uh, it's not going to be good. But a Florida man was convicted for not complying with a temporary risk protection order. This is with regard to the Florida's red flag law. Uh, after a non-injury shooting incident, Jaron Smith was red flagged by deputies and the court ordered the uh, TRPO, Temporary Risk Protection Order. Jaron refused when the deputies came to his house to confiscate his firearms, insisting that he had a right to have a lawyer present. Now, checking back, according to the law, He's not correct. The law does not say you have the right to have a lawyer present when the deputies come to seize your firearms. So in December, just last month, he was convicted for failure to comply with the temporary risk protection order. Uh, 
Now, the Florida law goes something like this. The court orders a temporary order, the TRPO, and the respondent must, capital M, capital U, capital S-N-T, the respondent must comply with the TRPO. There has to be a trial within 14 days, and the petitioner, in this case, the, uh, the deputies, must prove their case by clear and convincing evidence that the person poses a danger to self or others. That's the way the law is written. Don't think that I am speaking in agreement to the law. That is how the law is written. I am not in agreement with the law. Uh, it flies in the face of our standard, innocent until proven guilty. You should not be called to a court hearing to prove that you're innocent or to prove that you're, you're competent, that you're not a risk to yourself in order to get your property back. The state can't take your property without just cause. And hearsay or a single report from someone is not just cause. But that's a story for another day. In fact, probably many days that'll come up over and over again. We are very fortunate, Jaron Smith is particularly fortunate, that there was no bloodshed at Jaron's home at the issuance of the TRPO. Gary Willis in Maryland was not so lucky. In November of 2018, he was shot dead by police executing a TPRO at 5 a.m. Now, I think they call it uh, an EPRO, Emergency uh, Risk Protection Order. But it's the the same thing in essence. So the sheriff's office showed up at 5 a.m. to confiscate this guy's gun. Uh, Willis grabbed his gun to resist and a scuffle ensued. Shots were fired and Willis died. Now, U.S. Law Shield recommends uh, to anyone who lives in a state where there is a red flag law that you comply at the execution of a protection order and then fight it in court. That's recommend recommendation from U.S. Law Shield, and I will take this moment. I am a U.S. Law Shield member. I'm a U.S. Law Shield facility. I really like U.S. Law Shield, and they have come out uh, in the the wave of uh, red flag laws, uh, both the uh, campaign for red flag laws and the actual red flag laws that have been passed. They have come out and said that members of U.S. Law Shield that are uh, issued these uh, these ERPOs will be represented in court with no legal fees from the lawyers at U.S. Law Shield. U.S. Law Shield members will be able to defend themselves in court and the issuance of a red flag law action uh, at no cost to themselves other than their membership fees, which, by the way, is about 11 bucks a month. What a bargain. Now, if you're interested in joining U.S. Law Shield, go to uslawshield.com and you can read all about their basic services and the add-on services, which I think I'm going to be mentioning in the next, yes, I am, in the next story. Uh, if you decide to join, and I think you should, please enter the code AKSFI when you join. That tells them that I sent you AKSFI, AKS Firearms Instruction. All right. Well, Senator Steve Daines, who's a Republican from Montana, 
recently introduced legislation to bolster the Firearms Owners Protection Act. Now, this is a law that already exists, and it contains a statute, 18 U.S. Code, subsection 926A, entitled Interstate Transportation of Firearms, also known as the Safe Passage Law. This law exists, but the senator apparently wants to give it more teeth, and I appreciate that. In layman's language, the Safe Passage Law says you can't get incarcerated for possession of a firearm in a state with strict gun laws if the following uh, factors uh, are in effect. One, you are passing through the hostile state from your state as a legal gun owner there to another state where it would be lawful for you to possess the gun. You're just passing through. Also, that the gun is not immediately accessible to you and is unloaded. Gun and ammo should be stored separately in locked areas, typically two different lockboxes as far away from the driver's compartment as you can when you are in hostile territory, like Maryland. Travel must be continuous, and this is where the Firearms Owners Protection Act uh, needs a little more teeth. Your travel must be continuous. That means no rest stops. Okay, go to the little boy's room at that last exit in Pennsylvania as you're heading south and don't have to stop to go potty until you hit West Virginia because you could be arrested for illegal possession of a firearm in states like Maryland if you just stop at a rest stop to go potty. Don't stop to gas up. No rest stop, like if you're just feeling you know, sleepy and you got to pull over so that you're not uh, a risk on the highway to falling asleep and hurting yourself and other people. Can't do it there. Not in that state. There's even, according to U.S. Law Shield, uh, a report of a driver that had a flat tire and was stopped off on the side of the road trying to fix the tire and was arrested for possession of his firearm, even though he was just passing through. Hopefully that's the part that's going to get changed. Right now, it's, it's dangerous to be carrying your lawful firearm through states like New York, Maryland, and now Virginia. It's dangerous. Um, I, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I am a member of U.S. Law Shield. I love it. I love U.S. Law Shield. There is a uh, $3 or $4 per month add-on for U.S. Law Shield uh, called the Multi-State Add-on. And Multi-State Add-on allows you to, um, to carry your firearm. Well, to get legal advice from U.S. Law Shield as to what states are reciprocal with your state's uh, concealed carry laws. And will give you very specific legal advice for each state that you go through. For instance, uh, I've done this a number of times, but uh, once a few years ago, I rode my motorcycle from my home state, Pennsylvania, to Oregon. There are a lot of states in between. And U.S. Law Shield wrote me a 23-page document, which included an explanation of the uh, safe passage laws, and then state by state, who is reciprocal with Pennsylvania, and even those who are reciprocal with Pennsylvania, what are their special nuances to where you can and cannot legally carry a firearm. 
whether or not uh, you're required by law to disclose to a trooper if you're carrying a firearm, like if you're pulled over for speeding and stuff. Um, uh, two summers ago, I took a trip to uh, see a good friend down in North Carolina, and I got one of these letters. And we had, um, there was the, the letter talking about safe passage, and then the first state after Pennsylvania in that letter basically said, uh, safe passage law notwithstanding, uh, travelers with legal firearms should avoid the state of Maryland altogether. So the legal advice to lawful gun owners who are on their way to some place that's also lawful for them to possess a gun is don't don't go through Maryland. Just don't. Uh, I, that really made an impression on me. Anyway, Senator Daines, who is trying to uh, give us a little more teeth for the Firearm Owner Protection Act, is joined by Senators Cruz, Crapo, Lankford, and Rounds in promoting the bill. And if you go to U.S. Law Shield with uh, the desire to join, please use the code AKSFI to let them know that I sent you there. I appreciate it. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room, Virginia. It's impossible to keep up with all of the developments in Virginia lately. It's, it's just fast and furious. It's unbelievable. Um, I want to start off my, my Virginia section of the podcast uh, with a little bit of good news. When I posted this on Facebook last week, my little headline was, Punch the Bully. That was last Monday. Thousands of gun owners showed up at the Virginia State Capitol to raise their fist against the opposition of the Democrat Virginia Senate and their tyrannical proposed gun-grabbing agenda. That's what I wrote uh, on Facebook last week. The Democrats conceded a little bit, backed off, including uh, backing off a pro proposed AR-15 confiscation bill. Now, that's a little bit of good news. It is a a little tiny bit of good news. There is a whole lot of bad news. There is a whole lot of fight that lay ahead of us uh, that want to protect the Second Amendment and particularly are concerned about our, uh, our friends and family down in Virginia. So we haven't won. We took back a tiny infinitesimal little bit of ground. We have to stay vigilant in this fight. It's mandatory. You will lose your Second Amendment rights. And when I say you will lose your Second Amendment rights, I don't just mean, oh, boo-hoo, you don't get to go hunting anymore or carry your firearm with you. Your Second Amendment rights are central to what it means to be an American, of what it means for America to be a free nation. It does not happen without the citizens right to keep and bear arms not just to protect themselves against guys mugging them in the city streets but to protect themselves against the tyrannical government <sighs> deep breath once again all right do you remember the brady bunch there is a famous little phrase from the brady bunch right the the jealous middle sister jan tired of her big sister getting all the attention and she just in exasperation laments oh marcia 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 
Well, there's a certain younger sister that is tired of her big sister getting all the attention. And she's yelling, Virginia, Virginia, Virginia. West Virginia has made a move. With over 90% of Virginia's local governments declaring their intended defiance of the gun-grabbing law slated by the Democrat legislature in Richmond and Governor Blackface Northam, uh, they are figuratively forming a new state that I like to call most of Virginia because most of Virginia is against what's happening in Richmond. I'll pause now as you giggle because I'm proud of myself. That's one thing that I've said to you today that's actually original with me, the new state, most of Virginia. Well, once part of Virginia over 150 years ago, Republicans broke from Democrat rule in the Capitol and made a free state now known and loved as West Virginia. Wild and wonderful West Virginia. I have friends that live in Pendleton County, West Virginia, just across the mountain from Harrisonburg. Uh, and uh, it has long been a favorite place of mine. Uh, my father and I we used to ride motorcycles there. Anytime we had a long weekend, we could go down to the Shenandoah Valley, often on the West Virginia side. Well, uh, back in the Civil War days, pre-Civil War and early Civil War, uh, the Republicans in Virginia did not want to have any part to do with the slave state, which Virginia was. And that was the impetus for them seceding and becoming West Virginia, the free state. Well, here they are, still the free state. They have passed uh, what's called House Concurrent Resolution 8 on Tuesday. And that is where West Virginia invited most of Virginia to secede to West Virginia. So West Virginia is uh, open for business uh, and uh, open for new members. So counties in Virginia that have declared themselves to be uh, Second Amendment sanctuary counties now have the option to consider, you know what, we're not Virginia anymore, we're West Virginia. I don't know what all it takes for that to actually happen, but West Virginia has formally invited uh, the free counties in Virginia to join the free state of West Virginia. In that uh, resolution, it says uh, their state is where firearms rights shall be protected to the fullest extent possible under our federal and state constitution. That's a quote from the West Virginia House Concurrent Resolution 8. Sounds good to me. Let's all go to West Virginia. I think that Virginia's are not done, Virginians are not done fighting for their commonwealth, but it is always good to have options. Now, just before I turned on this microphone, I had uh, some text communications with a friend of mine, Dan, who lives in Rockingham County in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley. I love it down there. And uh, he had been listening to previous podcasts, which if you haven't listened to my previous podcasts, they're still up. You can go back and catch up. It's really easy to binge. You can binge in about two hours all of the previous uh, episodes of a, uh, Attitude, Knowledge, and Skill. But anyway, uh, Dan texted me, said some nice things about the podcast, and... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking it up right now. Apparently, Dan just sent me another text while I was on the microphone here. I haven't read that yet. Uh, I'll get back to you, Dan. All right, scrolling up. Pardon me. This is, uh, you know, 
not not the best uh, podcast uh, right now. Not the best podcast practice. Okay. It shouldn't take this long to scroll, but uh, it is. Here we go. He says, uh, it's amazing what's happening in Virginia. The Democrats don't get a clue when 90 plus percent of the counties and cities declare themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries. I, this is my friend Dan, went to one of... Uh, went to one for our county, which is Rockingham County, for the Board of Supervisors vote. To say it was standing room only was an understatement. I was not expecting the turnout that occurred. It was held in a high school gym. The gym was 100% packed, and people were in the lobby and could not get in and couldn't hear anything. And at that time, he said there was still a four-mile backup of people trying to get into the road to get to the high school. This is one really hot situation. So Governor Blackface Northam this week declared a state of emergency for the Commonwealth of Virginia. And uh, he says that he had intercepted threats from armed militias similar to those in the lead up to Charlottesville and declared a state of emergency. The declaration temporarily bans firearms from the Capitol grounds. Now, they made the Capitol building a gun-free zone just uh, just the previous week, which is a change. You could always carry your lawful firearms into the Capitol building previously, but that was the story we mentioned episode last week. Now you can't. Everybody going into the Capitol building has to go through a metal detector to make sure they're not carrying Oh, except for the legislatures, they don't have to go through the uh, the metal detectors and the police, the Capitol Police have said that no legislators will be arrested for breaking that law. Uh, go back to the episode last week to get the lowdown on that mess. So now it's also uh, going to be illegal temporarily to carry your firearms on the Capitol grounds. They actually have, I've seen pictures now, they have fences set up around the Capitol grounds. In order to get into the fences, you have to uh, be demonstrably unarmed. So on Thursday, the FBI arrested three men suspected of belonging to a neo-Nazi group who allegedly had weapons and had discussed attending the, the, the rally. So I think... The governor invoking the ugliness of Charlottesville is uh, is a really low blow. Somehow the the rioting and and even the deaths that occurred during the Charlottesville riots regarding the statues down there, the uh, Confederate statues, uh, somehow the governor is trying to paint that ugliness onto the law-abiding citizens who want to maintain their right in Virginia uh, to keep and bear arms. So in one little quick brushstroke of a statement, he's he's coloring the uh, supporters of the Second Amendment that are coming to Richmond tomorrow. Now, this group that was arrested, this neo-Nazi group that was arrested, I'm not a pro-neo-Nazi at all. I'm not a white supremacist at all. Okay? Um... But labels abound. I don't know anything about the group. Maybe they really were neo-Nazis. Maybe they weren't. Uh, But they had weapons, which I presume is legal where they had weapons. 
It didn't say they had illegal weapons. It just said they had weapons and that they had uh, stated that they intended to attend the rally. Now, one or the other or both of those are legal. Attending a rally is legal and having legal firearms is legal. But here are arrests made and uh, news headlines that are posted and it's all painting this rally on Lobby Day tomorrow, also Martin Luther King Day, um, uh, painting us with uh, a broad brush and uh, in dark colors. Okay, so they're trying to make us, lawful gun owners, uh, look like uh, we are unstable and violent, hungry, dangerous to society. Thanks for that text, Dan, about Rockingham County. That was really cool. Dan also, by the way, sent me pictures of inside the gymnasium. If I am able to attach pictures to the show notes for this podcast, I will attach them there. But I will definitely post them on AKS Firearms Instruction page on Facebook. All right. We're still in Virginia. Still talking about Virginia. Antifa. How about that? What does that, what image does that conjure up in your mind? Antifa. Well, yeah, a lot, a whole lot of ugly. Portland, vicious attacks, hitting people, pummeling people, milkshakes, uh, rods and batons and ganging up on folks. And there is that, that, uh, that journalist, Andrew No, who just got bludgeoned for no reason. He's completely unarmed. He was just asking questions. He got bludgeoned. Yeah. Antifa. Well, guess what? There are local chapters of Antifa in Virginia, and they want to attend tomorrow's Lobby Day. Good news, he says facetiously. Uh, Do they have an axe to grind? They say that they do. They say that their attendance at the rally is to protest the anti-gun legislation that's being proposed in the General Assembly. Uh, they say that these types of laws are used primarily to criminalize poor people, minorities, and leftists, and to bolster law enforcement's power. Not an untrue statement. Uh, a quote from the guy who went by just his first name, James, didn't want to give his last name. Uh, he said, I think it's been pretty important for us to focus on the fact that gun control in America has a legacy of racist enforcement. Like taking guns away from black people because black people were perceived as a threat to property and the sanctity of the state. These are statements, even those made by Antifa, that I can I can get behind, I can affirm. A uh, guy I really respect a lot from Philadelphia, Maj Touré. I've talked about him here a lot. Uh, he is dedicated to free firearms instruction to residents in the hood, whether the hood be in Philadelphia or Chicago, or he has a nationwide vision for law-abiding citizens to be able to protect themselves with firearms. And he has shirts uh, and will always make a point to say all gun control is racist in origin and the racist gun control laws started in Virginia so anyway I just to be clear Maj Touré is not uh, a member of Antifa he is a libertarian he I beg your pardon 
Uh, Maj is a libertarian. Uh, he truly is. And uh, he is a, a good guy. Other liberal organizations that uh, might be showing up at Richmond in support of the Lobby Day effort to oppose gun control. How about this? Socialist Rifle Association, Redneck Revolt, and Socialists Against Gun Control. Yeah, I scratch my head too. I don't know how socialism uh, is real compatible with the liberty to defend yourself against a tyrannical state. Uh, but hey, if they're going to show up peacefully and join their voices and not cause trouble and just make a strong showing to the Virginia General Assembly, okay. There's a vast array of types of people and organizations that will be at the Lobby Day. Um, I, mean, I mean vast. Uh, is it going to be a inspirational, come-together-for-one-common-cause type of movement? I can't guarantee a kumbaya kind of convergence. Some of the folks coming, like Antifa, I would not take my eye off for one second. Will there be counter-protesters? Yeah, you can count on it. Will there be rabble-rousers? You bet. But if you are going down there, God bless you. If you're going down there for peaceful protest, to raise your voice and uh, to not uh, be violent in any nature, that's great. You must commit to not engage in the provocateurs. When at all possible, Please walk away. There will be people that will try to incite violence. They will try to get you to react. Then you look like the bad guy. Remember, we don't want violence. We all are ambassadors of the Second Amendment. There are people that don't really know much at all about the Second Amendment. But what they do know is what they see in the media when the media portrays gun owners. So you be a reason why people have a good impression about supporters of the Second Amendment. Be aware of what face you put on the law-abiding, freedom-loving Americans. Listen, I make no, no bones of the fact that uh, I am a, a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christian. And as you're considering to go down to the lobby day, I would remind you of Romans 12.8 where it says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And in verse 21 it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't let other people control you into being a problem. You be a solution or be a solutionary, as Maj Touré would call you. All right, we're getting close to the end here. I have no idea how long I've been going on, but my throat says <clears throat> I've been going on for a while. Thanks for hanging in uh, and uh, staying with me to the end here. I found Senator Amanda Chase. At least I found her on Facebook. She is a Virginia state senator. And if, if you're a Virginian, I would appeal to you. Find more people like Senator Amanda Chase and get her elected. Get them elected. Uh, I'm just going to read something she posted on Facebook today. Uh, it, is, it is really salient to what's going on tomorrow. She said, sadly, I am posting this 
knowing that the governor of Virginia has declared a state of emergency in our state. I want you to be aware of how we are being set up. If, peace, if people show up wearing any kind of uniform, patch, or other symbol on their clothing signifying that they belong to a militia and something goes wrong, you could slash will be held as a domestic terrorist. If anyone steps out of line, all it takes is one person. It may even be a government plant. If that plant does anything to disrupt the rally, you could slash will be, uh, be arrested as a domestic terrorist. The governor, still quoting Senator Amanda Chase, the governor using the media has already set the stage for this to happen. He has already laid the groundwork to make the entire movement look like insurrection. It will be used to put the rest of the nation on notice of what will happen to you if you resist. They have labeled us as potential domestic terrorists for a long time now. Anyone who is ever related to the three percenters, a militia, or just belonged to any patriot group, the groundwork has been laid to brand you as a domestic terrorist. They are kicking things into high gear. Military veterans were slash are even listed as potential domestic terrorists. We were told not once but several times by the current president, it's not me they are after, it's you, the American people. Their actions over the last three years have shown you he was right. They are coming after us full speed ahead and they aren't even trying to hide it anymore. Six Semper Tyrannus, keep your head on a swivel and know that what's going on around you at all times at Lobby Day, January 20th, 2020. Everybody be safe out there, thus always to tyrants. That ends the quote from Senator Amanda Chase. Six Semper Tyrannus is, unbelievably, uh, in today's day and age, Six Semper Tyrannus is the Virginia state motto, and it means thus always to tyrants, suggesting that bad things will slash should befall tyrants. All right. Well, folks, that pretty much draws it to a close. Episode four, a long episode four of Attitude, Knowledge, and Skill. I want to wind up with my eye on tomorrow and all of our eyes on tomorrow, and I pray. Heavenly Father, may your spirit of peace cover the Capitol grounds and building in Virginia tomorrow. Keep safe all in attendance, and may we all treat each other appropriately as fellow image bearers of the Almighty God. Bless the cause of freedom and provide that this nation will continue to protect the rights that you yourself have endowed upon us all. Amen. Attitude, knowledge, and skill, where thoughts and prayers means really thinking and really praying. Please do both tonight and through the day tomorrow as all this unfolds. We will be back after Lobby Day to discuss all the things that happen. Let's pray that it's all good. This has been Attitude, Knowledge, and Skill, the podcast outreach of AKS Firearms Instruction. Find us on the net at aksfi.com and AKS Firearms Instruction on Facebook. Go to the show notes for links to streaming services that carry this podcast, and please consider subscribing. Thank you for listening. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed.